Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, April 26th, 2022. I'll never forget one of my first uh, really bumpy flights that I was on in my life. I was a kid and we were flying back home into the San Antonio, Texas airport. And as we were approaching San Antonio, our pilot came on over the speaker to warn us to expect some turbulence ahead. As we would be coming into San Antonio to land, we'd be going around some pretty intense Texas thunderstorms. And if you've ever lived in Texas or been through Texas, maybe you've experienced some of those Texas thunderstorms. Well, we were going to be going around one of those to make our landing in San Antonio. So he warned us, hey, the, the flight crew, that the uh, the flight attendants, they're going to make sure they get all your trash early because they are going to be seated and buckled up as we come in for a landing. And the pilot wasn't lying. It was a, a bumpy ride on the way down, but you know, it kind of felt like a roller coaster. So at the time, I thought it was actually kind of cool. And we came in, we landed safe and sound, and we made it. But it was a bumpy uh, flight. And maybe not everyone else was enjoying it as much as I was, uh, but it, it could have been also a pretty intense and even scary thing. Well, as we think about the forecast for the world that we are living in, Jesus has told us to expect turbulence, to expect a bumpy ride in this world. Uh, today, we're going to look at Matthew 24, 1 through 14, Mark 13, 1 through 13, and Luke 21, 5 through 19. And this gets us into the beginning of what is known as the Olivet Discourse. Why is it called that? Well, because Jesus is on the Mount of Olives, and he gives this um, message to his disciples that uh, really starts to point to the end or the, the subject of eschatology. But let's look today at, at the beginning portion of it in these few different passages. And well, let's look starting in Matthew's gospel. And we see, and he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of the coming of the end of the age? And so this question is prompted and there you can see it's on the Mount of Olives by what happens before that the disciples are pointing out how amazing the temple is. And Jesus says, you see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And so as they see that, they're starting to ask questions. And that first part of what Jesus says there really points to the destruction of the temple in the year 70 AD. Jesus's words are literally fulfilled there as the Romans come in and destroy the city of Jerusalem and specifically the temple and even the stones that are thrown down. You can go to Jerusalem today and they're at kind of the south east corner, southwest, excuse me, corner of the Temple Mount, you can see stones that were thrown down almost 2,000 years ago uh, down to the bottom of that hill, the Temple Mount, uh, just like Jesus said they would be. But that is getting the disciples to scratch their heads. What in the world? The temple is going to be destroyed? I thought the kingdom was going to come. And even when we get into 
after the Gospels, the book of Acts, they're still asking, wait, so when is the kingdom coming? And Jesus is starting to uh, really explain more in depth to them that there is going to be a gap between his first coming and his second coming. And that, what he explains there, really starts to let them know what's the forecast? What is that gap between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ going to be like? And that's where we need to set our expectations of what we expect even out of this life and out of this world, because Jesus emphasizes some turbulent things that we may experience even in our own lives. He talks about wars and rumors of wars, nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and famines and earthquakes. And that's where we look throughout history, and guess what? We see all of those things. And some of these even, well, they seem that they will pick up speed in the truly end times. But throughout uh, the history of the last 2,000 years, we have seen wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, all of these different things. We live in a broken world, and there will be signs of that between the first coming and the second second coming of Christ. But then the second thing that he emphasizes is something that we need to listen to and really pay attention to because I think it's something as American Christians we can almost get lulled to sleep against. In in verse 9, he says they then will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So there it speaks of times of persecution, of persecution where even it is your life that is threatened. And that's where right now, uh, maybe that's not something you you feel or have felt in your life. But, But realize there are people all throughout the history of the church, and there are people all over the world right now that this is a very real situation for them. And you need to admit this could become a real situation for you. If persecution increases, do not be surprised. If anything, be surprised that there's been a relative quiet when it comes to persecution in our culture. And that's where, really, if you are seeking to live a godly life, you should expect persecution on some level. Maybe it hasn't been at this level, but you should start to think, you know, that must be the exception to the rule. And this is a call to preparation, I believe, and a call to endurance. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Or if we think about the passage in Luke, it gives us uh, some some various words uh, that Jesus used in this discourse. And he talks about how in verse 12 of Luke 21, but before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness." 
Settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom, uh, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. And so there's some encouraging words from Jesus uh, that in those moments, he will help his people. And we don't need to try to cram a bunch of notes on apologetics, you know, for that moment. Well, that's a good thing to study those things. But what we want to do is say, hey, are you going to be faithful to Christ or not? And I heard one preacher preach on this passage that even the critical nature of that comes down to, do you love Jesus? If you truly love Jesus, you will be prepared to stand with him in moments of persecution. And that is something I think if we're listening to this text, we need to say, hey, I don't know what the future holds, but I want to be ready to stand with to stand for Jesus Christ, even if it costs me my job, even if it costs me my economic freedom, even if it costs me my life. I I want to be committed to him. And if they arrest me, they arrest me. If they kill me, they kill me. Uh, But I'm sticking with Jesus. And when persecution rises up, we should not be afraid. We should not be surprised. We should trust the Lord. And then verse 14, back in Matthew 24 says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And that's where some people debate, well, how are we doing in that? Because, well, haven't we kind of declared the gospel? I mean, here I'm recording this podcast in Idaho. That's pretty ends of the earth compared to the Mount of Olives where Jesus is saying this. But also think of, well, on the other hand, how many billions of people in the world remain to be unreached. And that's where, you know, whatever we might think about this verse, one thing we can understand is that, well, if the end has not come, we still have work to do, bringing the gospel to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. So as we start this part of uh, the Olivet Discourse as part of the Passion Week, uh, let us hear this warning uh, up front. Hey, prepare for turbulence. In particular, prepare your heart for persecution. Uh, Prepare your heart to follow Jesus, no matter where that might lead. And I pray that when all is said and done, those of you listening, you will be found faithful. You will not be uh, one who their love grows cold because of all the increase sin and persecution in the world. May we be those that endure to the end. Let's go back now to the Old Testament, 1 Samuel 9 through 12. And as we look at this passage now, we see the story, the beginning of the story of King Saul and some overlap between him and Samuel. We see the story of how he is chosen to be king. We see the story of how he is anointed and proclaimed king, even though he's hiding in the the baggage. And that's where you probably know the story. You know, Saul doesn't end up being a good king. But in chapter 11, we do see an early victory and some wisdom from King Saul. But maybe the most interesting thing today is chapter 12, where Samuel kind of gives this speech, a farewell speech, so to say, saying, hey, now you have your king. And he even rebukes the people saying, well, why did you ask for this king? Was was not God fighting your battles enough? Um, but then even still, he promises God's continued presence with them if they trust him and obey him. And the people even... Uh, 
confess their sin and, and admit that they should not have done this. And in verse 20, Samuel says, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart and do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver for they are empty for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you, and I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. And if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. And that's where maybe that's encouraging to some of you who know, man, I've sinned. I've blown it in some way. Um, but you come back to this and saying, okay, well, well, now God is calling me to follow him, to fear him, to serve him, uh, like Samuel called the Israelites to. And I also love the picture of spiritual leadership that you get from him saying, hey, I'm not going to sin against God by failing to pray for you. And I'm going to continue to instruct you in the good and the right way. May that good and right way be something that we are all seeking as we continue to seek God through the scriptures, to learn more about him, to prepare our hearts for whatever may come in our lives out of trust in him and devotion to his word and to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.